0: Welcome back to Hashtag Adulting for our returning listeners and for our first time listeners. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Today marks Hashtag Adulting's fifth episode. I can't believe we're already on episode five. It feels like we've just started this like last week. This episode will discuss the trauma and abuse that Black men have endured during their childhood and basically how they turn into that Erica Badu song, Bag Lady. But no, on a serious note, DJ will be discussing how his own personal trauma has impacted his life and his decisions moving forward. He will work on just discussing on how trauma really affects the black community and specifically black men as they try to mature into a man. The episode will focus just on the way black men maneuver in society due to their past trauma and childhood and how they are or aren't taught to deal with their emotions or feelings.
1: All right, so episode five. Like you said, can't believe we're here. But we're here. seemed like we just started. Mm-hmm. Um, we've really enjoyed doing these. Um, and we like the feedback that we're getting way more than we thought. So we're always excited to, you know, talk about the next topic. It's always near and dear to our heart, which I think a lot of you connect with. So today is really near to me because as a black man growing up in the low um little economic neighborhood, I feel like I've had to endure all you know everything that comes with being a black man, and until recently, I thought you know it was normal, just like I assume every other black person or black male black women too so i'm this episode is about the trauma of black man, but we're not you know uh knocking or saying that black women don't go through the trauma too. It's just I'm able to talk about it because I'm a black male. So, as a child, you kind of talk, you know, they kind of they kind of start off small. You know, your parents telling you, you know, you're a black male. Society's going to treat you like this, and we just want to prepare you for it. And I never thought that was normal. And I never thought that that should be, you know, how we raise, we raise our kids in Saudi, saying that, you know, it's going to happen. Just be ready for it. But what?
0: What's going to happen?
1: What do they say? That you're a black male. Society is going to treat you a certain way. And you need to be, you need to be prepared for it. Like, things are going to happen. They're not going to be right. They're not going to be equal. But we as black people have been going through wrong for our whole life. And before it is So it's normal for us And I never understood why People would be satisfied With thinking like that And It just ne- it never made sense to me And I feel like As a black boy As a black boy growing up You're taught to Just You know Deal with it Deal with anything Deal with The fact that you're A black man in America Deal with the fact Deal with the fact that you know you grow anything happens to you, you know they tell you, "Oh, men don't cry, you know it's just like small things that, when you think about it, plays a big part in how you deal with things as a male because if you grow your whole life thinking the same thing from what you talk when you're a child, then it just becomes innate, and you just just feel like it's normal, so I think the start off as a growing up as a black man in a low economic neighborhood for me. Most of us are very close to our grandparents because we stay with our grandparents when our mom or our father is at work. So it's already, I don't want to say a detachment ish, you know, attachment growing right there, but you kind of not always under your mom like. I've seen some of the, you know, the kids in better neighborhoods because a lot of their moms don't work. Their father is the main provider. They they just they're all with their mom at all times. So that's one thing we don't ha- we don't have we don't have that time with our mom twenty four seven. And of course we love our mom, but it's different when you know she can be there twenty four seven. The other part of that is. A lot of us don't have our fathers in our life, either they're not present or they're not. They're, we don't live with them, and as somebody who father I didn't li- I didn't live with my father. My father was v- very present in my life, but I know for a fact my life probably been different if I lived with my father or live co- with my father and my mother, not just my father, and. The fact that we have to grow up thinking we have to please white people. And I, that's another thing I never got. And it started for me with my grandparents because the way they would talk about, you no, know, they called them, you know, the white man, the white man, the white man. Oh, the white man, the white man gave us this, white man gave us that. And of course it really was a white man, but I never understood why they would put so much praise on the fact that a white man gave him something or like my grandmother, my grandmother, her, uh, her father brought a house and like, yeah, we bought it from this white man. He gave us a great deal. And I just never understood like, what's the point of glorifying the white man so much? Like, and then we're taught, we're taught that, that when you, you talk to a white man, you see a white person walk by, I guarantee you your language changes, the way you walk changes. It just you just you just automatically change everything that's happening. So, I feel I feel like that's another thing. And another the for me the most important thing is, right? This one is we go through trauma as a as a child and we don't know where to turn to as a child. As a child, we're you don't. You want to tell somebody, but who do you tell? You can't tell your. You're scared to tell your parents because you don't. You don't know what. You're just scared to tell them. You can't tell your friends because you don't want them looking at you crazy. You might not want to tell a counselor at school or anybody else because you think that your parents might get in trouble. So for years, we're just building up on, building up on that, and we have nobody to turn to. So then that just builds and builds and builds. And later down the line, we have no idea how to get rid of it, no idea how to heal from it, and now we just have we just have PTSD for the rest of our lives. And I'm probably missing some things, but for me, those are the the key categories for me that I that I knew as a as a young black boy that were really big big for me. And. I just wanna get on the subject of I'm gonna get on the subject of how
0: But let's wait, wait wait before you change like let's talk about community. Let's talk about how okay, we became integrated, right? Everyone became integrated and we started going to school, all of that, whatever. But no matter what when with redlining, so just everything that was put in place when it came to redlining, when those black communities are being created, when you really look at the public school systems and you see that in, again, like the low economic areas, those are primarily people of color living in those communities. So again, like your zip code, of course, is connected to your your school zone where you're able to go to school. So that right there is another disparity for the black community and people of color. So these these things are just put in place to cause those disparities already when it comes to education, when it comes to opportunity, when it comes to um, just moving up in the world, you know, getting into society, starting a new job. All of those things play a part in the very beginning in your childhood. So if you're, poor (laughs) if you're poor then no matter what you're always gonna be at a disadvantage than everyone else um i just feel like a lot of things that we we've all gone through like i grew up in a poor neighborhood Honestly, I, I didn't really see white people until I went to college. I went to a Says. private institution. I never really had white friends. Like I've, I never was around white people. I was so used to growing up where I grew up, which was extremely diverse where we had Cape Ver we have Cape Verdeans, we have Portuguese, we have um, Haitians, we have just like the whole the whole area that I was I lived in my best friend like when I first had my first friend she was Haitian back in third grade then my my best friend in like middle school well elementary school going into middle school high school she's Jamaican so it's just like I was so used to seeing all these different cultures that when I finally went to college (laughs) like you grow up hearing certain things I grew up hearing like we are my we're minorities it never clicked to me what that but meant
1: is because we all we see what we you know what we are
0: that was it that was, that all was the only perspective of the world that i had you know because i'm a child like i'm a kid i'm yeah. naive to the to the outside world and
1: this is just like that and for this so is long just
0: what it's been so i'm so used to seeing all these different cultures hearing all these different languages eating all this different food like that it's just so normal <laughs> that when I yeah. got to college it was just
1: like, What the fuck is this? Yeah. So I can definitely attest to that because I know for a fact both our neighborhoods we grew up. We saw a white person, I was like, the fuck they doing I was like, they finna do a drug bust or something. I was like I was this is what I always thought. We had uh the only white people we had in our in our in our neighborhood were old white people who you could, who definitely you could tell. Because my neighborhood used to be predominantly white. In the 50s and 60s, like most neighborhoods in Dallas, they're predominantly black now. At 50s, 60s, they were probably, they were predominantly white. So, all those old white couples, they still live there. But other than that, it's all Hispanic or African American people. So, like you said, it started, I feel like, it started in slavery. And then instead of, you know, slavery, they said, you know, they say it's abolished. They say it was going away. They just found another way to keep us enslaved. Now, you might, we might, you're gonna be free, but we're gonna let you live on this side of town. And then once we try to get, you know, once you move to their side of town, they move farther out. Mm-hmm. And now it's our side. But now, all the, the all the, you know, economic bandages, all the, every everything they had, they took with them. So now we're basically starting over from scratch. And everything they were, getting, they were getting from the city and the government, we weren't getting down. So it's like, if you're giving that to them, just because we move in, African Americans or Latinos, minorities, you take, all the, you take all of the resources and give it away to some, somewhere else because it's not in our neighborhood anymore. And I feel like that trauma has been passed on to, to this day to black, to black people and uh black people, Native Americans, uh Hispanic people, people of Latin descent. Those traumas will always haunt us and it kinda it, it just who it builds to us who we are. And that's why you kinda you kinda see black black people are just super they're just known for being strong willed. Latina Latina Women are known for being Strong will. They're known to balance the kids, the husband, the house. Go do everything, and still they still you know thought to be they never break down. They can never show a weakness.
0: And black women. So like that's a big thing in just people of color, especially women, especially when you know, black women in particular tend to be, be raising children in single parent homes Mm -hmm. where they, they can't, (laughs) they can't just break down in front of their child and act, you know what I mean? They can't do that. Like people of color can't do that because you have to be strong. You have to show your child that everything's fine, that there's nothing to worry about. You know, that's the way that we grow up so we're not able like we're not able to process our emotions we're not able to really process what we're feeling because we have to keep a strong yeah we have to just keep and, a strong face and we have to just go keep going push forward and just do whatever it is that we need to do to to get where we need to get to make sure food's on the table to make sure whatever is taken care of and that's the thing. Like, we just are not able to feel. <laughs> like, I feel like that's really what we're taught. We're not taught to feel. Like, we're not taught it's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. Who the who, who do you know was taught that? Who do you know? <laughs> Black, Hispanic, like, Latin, Latina, whatever. Oh. Who do you know that was taught? Hey... This is emotional intelligence. We we're not in, we're not taught that. That's something that you have to learn as you become an adult mm-hmm. if you decide that that's important for you. So not everyone even thinks they need to feel. Yeah. But it's important to know what affects you mm-hmm. because things do affect us. I, and that's perfectly normal, but we're not taught that that's normal.
1: I can I can tell you for a fact to this day I've never seen anybody in my family cry over any, like, like no. situations. My we, we family has to, never
0: seen me cry. Go to
1: funeral, maybe, but, like.
0: Never.
1: Like, even even anything happens. Like, I've never seen a family cry. I've never seen my mom break down to this day. Was it hard raising me, being a single parent? I know it was, but I've, she never showed it. And I've said this in previous episode. My mom was so good at hiding, I thought we were well off. Like I thought we were fucking rich. Like my mom was like one of those super moms where she didn't let any out, anything from the outside affect me. So I did, I was like nonchalant and like just blind to a lot of lot of shit.
0: But also that is not normal. I feel like I feel like it's so important to educate your child about the household. I don't like you know say you are in a. Two parent household and the mom, you know, your mom and your dad are having issues, but instead of discussing whatever's going on financially, you know, marriage wise, whatever, the child is always left in the dark. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's right.
1: Yeah, it makes them probably makes them feel like it's their fault too. A lot of you you hear that a lot that
0: a lot of people internalize things that are going on because they feel like. Well, I know they're not able to take care of me or they're not, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not able to get me the things that I'm asking for because we don't have the money. (laughs) And so you feel like it's your fault as a child because you don't understand,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, and that's I think as a parent is your job to kind of teach that like you have like that has to change. Like we have to be able to teach our children to feel things and to understand things, even if it doesn't direct, like no matter what, it's affecting them because they're, in, you know, it's your family, your unit. No matter what, what you can and can't do should be discussed, or whatever's going on personally with the the, the mom and the dad, whatever. Everything should be talked about,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I think because it's not, again, we we don't process things like we don't understand what really is affecting us at the time and so sometimes it just becomes too much to the point where you have that breakdown yeah you know
1: yeah i mean for me uh growing up and i know it's true for like uh a lot of people of color we just we're just numb to everything exactly like things that the world can
0: that's what they want
1: and but the things like the world can you know see as harsh we're like Mm, it is what it is. But like,
0: we we've always become like they desensitized us from birth, from childhood into adulthood to this point. Like I know, I know back back when everything was happening with the protests because George Floyd, every just the fact that so many situations were being retweeted where people were being killed on camera and it's just being retweeted constantly, constantly by people, like that's desensitizing, like that's a whole other agenda, that they want to normalize you seeing black people being killed, like I I tweeted that, I tweeted how I didn't want to see it anymore, not because I didn't want to talk about the topic, nothing like that. Just the fact that we should not be seeing that,
1: yeah I mean uh for me uh, you don't
0: see white people like you don't I see, see they, white people either. being killed on camera that's not something you see
1: yeah. you
0: don't see white people being they, um, because victimized because in do. public or do. whatever you see them being the fucking pur- like, Oh. so that's what I mean like you don't see those things happening with white Caucasian people because. Everything is pushing an agenda, a hundred percent, always.
1: You always like. What you just said that they don't show any white people getting like killed on TV or anything no. like that, is because they won't. Yeah, if they do, it's like you know everything's top of the line. Oh my God, he's a family. say says a white a white man who had a family died. He was a family man, beloved son. He was a great whatever at his job. Even a black, when, but listen, a black man, a black man dies. Same, same thing. They have to pull. Well, he was arrested twelve years ago for possession of, and like, what does that have to do with right now? No,
0: but even when, that that kid, the kid who, didn't he? Um, he he went and he shot up the school, and then he kidnapped two people, and then was on a chase, went to Virginia. Or wherever the hell is was. But
1: even, like, the new... the. Uh, but
0: this call- guy, when they caught him in a whole other state, they took him to get food. Yeah. Like, what?
1: But even the newer one, the Kenosha shooter... <laughs> what the hell? Even the Kenosha shooter, they... You, you don't hear... You didn't hear about that. Like, you don't hear about, like... If a black no, if a-
0: but you know what's funny? So, growing up back home in Connecticut, when... so, So, I grew up in Bridgeport... And it was always known for violence, it was always known for shootings, X, Y, and Z, just crime rate crazy, right? But what they don't tell you, what the media won't show you, are the same violence, the same crime that happens in Fairfield, the same crime that happens in the the higher paying neighborhoods Fairfield, Trumbull, wherever, like they don't want to talk about those things they they won't show that on the news when something like that happens when when someone is shot, when a house was invaded back in Fairfield, I believe like either when I was in high school or going into college, a house was invaded, and the whole family was murdered, and no, it wasn't on the news, no one was talking about it, nothing, nothing because that's the type. Of media that they like to put out there, that these are the bad neighborhoods. Stay away from this, blah blah blah. You know, like mm-hmm. it's always that type but of. But you know,
1: it's only bad for the for them people for people who are not from that neighborhood. If you're in that neighborhood, I guarantee you, I feel I feel safer in my neighborhood oh, yeah. with the so so with the so called highest crime rate. Mm-hmm. And so I'm from. She's from Bridgeport, Connecticut. I'm from Dallas, Texas. But I'm from a part of Dallas, Texas called Pleasant Grove. Right off and I live right off Red Cloud. If you listen to this and you're from Dallas, Texas, you know that this shit gets real. so I, like my the area of my in Dallas where I live is like has the highest per capita murder murder rate than any, anywhere else. and I feel like for me, I go there, I feel safe like I walk down the street like nothing. I don't feel for my life.
0: How yeah, many
1: times I walk that night? I go. And, <laughs> I go to. I go to a well-off white neighborhood. Oh no! I feel so.
0: Uncomfortable.
1: I feel uncomfortable. I'm like. Look I'm like, know. look. I'm like, damn. I'm gonna get a police called on me. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and that's another thing. Why do we think that? Like, you go to a neighborhood, you just can't enjoy yourself. I can live there. I'm like, man, say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I like. I don't even go. I live. We live in a nice neighborhood now. I don't even go running. But, like, down the streets... At at, not even at night, at down streets anymore. Because I don't want people to think I'm running past their house. I literally stay on the trail. Like, I used to, like, just go run, go down any street I wanted to, and just run for, run until I got tired. But now I have to run on the trail or go to the gym because I don't want, them, don't want these people to like, Oh, it's a black guy running. He must be doing, doing something. Oh, my goodness.
0: You know, I always think about that video... It, that happened, I think, in Trumbull in Connecticut. So there's this little boy who's in his, in his um, driveway oh, yeah, yeah. playing, you know, just shooting, shooting the ball into his, um, his basketball hoop that's in his driveway. And as soon as he sees a cop coming down the street, he literally hides behind his parents' car. He stops playing with the ball and hides behind his parents' car until the cop passes. And that happened in in Connecticut, I think, in Trumbull.
1: He was young as fuck.
0: He was... Couldn't be anything more than five. Five, six, maybe. That is ridiculous. And, like, I always think about just children knowing certain things that I just feel bad that they know. Like, when the... When there was a traffic stop early on in, like, May of this year, the police shot and killed this girl's boyfriend, and they arrested her because she was trying to record, and they have her cuffed in the back seat of the cop car with her child right next to her, seeing everything that's happening, and... She as she's recording, she's obviously you know distraught. shot, so she's screaming and she's upset, whatever. And the little girl is telling her mom, "Please, mommy, just calm down. I don't want you to get shot." Like
1: and you know, you know how like, like fucked up in the mind. You have to be to see. You probably think it was a father get shot. Mm-hmm. father get shot. Your mom get arrested, mm-hmm. and you not shed a tear. You just like, please be. I don't want you to get shot. Like, any, anybody else, you see that? You're, like, in tears, you're crying. But for us, it's like we're just taught to be strong at all times. So, getting back to, like, black men, I think that's one of our biggest downfalls. We're taught we have to be strong survivors. Uh, black women, too, uh, and just people, people of color, period. We're taught that we have to be strong regardless of anything. So when we get older, we we grew up like that our whole life, so we're thinking that, and we say it so much that we believe it's true. So when we get older and we become of age, and we can't process things properly, we can't let things happen, we can't, you know, because we're taught that we have to be strong. It is what it is. You just be strong. And that doesn't allow us to heal. It doesn't allow us to do anything. And as a black man, me growing up, it took me so long to realize that a lot of things that I was told or just taught growing up wasn't valid, and it it made no fucking sense. And the thing about that is, you don't your parents don't don't tell you this like all this information, but you see it. You see it from the neighbors next door. You see it from the neighbor the neighborhood drug dealers. You see it from the guys in the neighborhood, and they just instill. They just instill this in you, so so when you grow up, you're just thinking, you're just thinking this all your whole life, your whole life. So when you become a man, and you're in society, and you can't even put your guard down or anything because you just have all these values. So I know for me personally, it was I never, like I said, my mom shielded me from outside life. You know, I never seen anybody in my family cry. So for me growing up, I just thought that if any tra, tra- like travesty or uh, any tragedy happened in my my life, I was like, oh, it's normal. I'll find a way to deal with it. And can you imagine somebody doing that their whole life and never releasing that emotion?
0: But do you want to talk about those things?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course I do. I wanna it's a, it's a, it's the podcast where we just share our experiences. Yeah, I want to talk about it.
0: So tell them what happened, like certain things that you've seen as a child and just weren't able to process what you saw or process how you felt about. And
1: yeah, so I remember the thing about me. I remember when I saw it in my at in an early age was murder. And I remember going to my first funeral at three. I can remember very vividly, vividly to this day. I remember where it was. I can pass by church today and still see see this same memory. I can remember who funeral was. I can remember what my mom told me that day, what I had on. And I don't know why I remember it, but I can. And it was my uh, my mom's uh, best friend. And the thing is, I saw him a week before he died. or a week before the funeral, so. You know, they tell you like he uh, he passed, and you just think you're not at three years old. I'm not, I don't know what that means. So we go to a funeral, and I remember telling him, I was like, bye, i see you later today. And I didn't realize how I got older that like, I, I, I was never going to see him again. I just thought that, you know, he moved or something. So at three, I'm seeing, I saw my first, you know, that's my first person I know died at three. So after that it just became it became somebody else dying, somebody else dying, and then it became people actually getting murdered and you seeing the murder happen. So I remember somebody in my neighborhood um got killed and they were stuffed in a trash can on my street at the end of the street on the in a in a like in a river area. And i I just remember like hearing it and like like damn. And then you hear another story next week of somebody who died, shot 10 times. You're like, damn. And then it's just always another story of somebody dying. And it gets to a point where no matter how hard or horrible the death is, it just becomes another death. It just becomes somebody else dying. Like, it becomes normal where you don't even process anymore. You're like, oh, they died? Damn, that's messed up. Then you go about your day. So that causes that causes you it causes me it caused me to not be afraid to lose people or not even to, to lose it caused me not to be afraid to lose people and it caused me not knowing how to enjoy people while they were here. So I wasn't like you can't for me I was like oh I'm enjoying this person right now in my life. They'll probably be gone soon. Just because I'm so like, you know, seeing death so much and people leave, that that's what I think. Like, uh, you know, they'll be here, you know, a good couple months maybe. It would be cool, a couple months. After that, they'll probably be going somewhere else. And that, I swear to God, I'm 27 now. I probably felt like that until I was like 25. Maybe 25 and... now say it's last year, actually. Like, yeah, 25. Yeah, 25. So... I felt like that's how I was 25 and I can only imagine men who go through that and don't get a chance to talk about it or express how they feel. The only reason I got to express how I feel is cuz I met Alana and she made me talk about it. And uh if we if, honestly if I'd never talked about it our relationship would never never like never worked out because I had so much trauma that I didn't even know about, and it changed me in so, so many ways that I didn't even know. I just, like, again, thought it was normal. So, growing up seeing death is just, like, I have horrible, I have, like, horrible, like, ways of meeting people. Like, I can't, I can't be, like, become friends with a lot of people. I, I just think everybody's gonna leave eventually. To this day, it's not as strong, but I still feel that way. So, it became to a point where I would have a relationship with somebody, um, whether it was a dating relationship, a friendship, any type of relationship, and I would already picture in my head them leaving. So, when they did leave, I was never hurt by it. So, say if I'm in a relationship with somebody for a year, I already pictured them leaving in my head. So, when they do leave, it doesn't hurt me at all. Like... I'll picture people in my like in my family dying close to me. So when they do leave, it'll never it'll never it won't hurt me. Like I pictured and I think that's crazy I really have to do that. I picture like my whole like everybody in my family dying already. So when it when it happens, I'm like I already went through this and it's not gonna affect me. Cause I know for a fact when my grandfather died last year, uh I cried a little bit, but inside I wanted to cry more, but I just didn't know how. Like, I didn't know how to release that. And, it, like, it's horrible. It's For me, it's a horrible feeling because I wanted it to be, I wanted relationships so bad. I wanted it to be friends and just have relationships so bad. But because I, were, I always thought like this, I wasn't able to like clinch a relationship because my mind is already made up on what the relationship is going to be. And I think that messed me up on a lot of opportunities. And the other thing that really affected me was not knowing how to talk about my feelings. Because I've never had anybody talk talk to me about my feelings. My grandmother was the only person to say I love you to me. Um, my mom never... My mom would say it, but, you know, she would sing this song, this song you know, like, you're my sunshine, my only sunshine. And she would say I love you like that. But I never had somebody, you know, sit down and like, you know, I love you because it is. I love you and like really put value on the why I love you. So, like... I just grew up knowing that people love me, but I didn't know how they love me. Did you love me because you love me or you love me because we're family? Did you love me because, did you love me, do you love me because, because, do you love me because, you know, we're friends or you love me because you know I can help you with something? Like, nobody ever put the value on, I love you. And nobody, I never heard anybody say, I love you. Like, I never heard my grandfather tell any of his kids or my grandmother. He loved her. He wrote it out in cards, you know, for Valentine's Mother Day and all that. But I have never heard him say it. I never, I never heard anybody say, I love you. So, I never knew how to express my emotions. And I never knew how to... Let anger out, let happiness show. If it was, if I was happy, I would just be like, I would just remain calm, same look on my face. i it got to the point where no matter the emotion, I had the same look on my face, just a regular, regular face, no grin, no nothing. So I think that black men have a problem showing, showing the true emotions. That's why I think a lot of revert to anger because they don't know how to, you know, be gentle about it. They don't know that there's other emotions they can express other than anger and still be, still be looked at as a man. I think you're taught, we're taught that, like in our neighborhoods, that violence is the only key because violence needs to meet violence. When nine times out of ten assemble, talk, and fix everything. And I know for a fact that if black men learned how at an early age learn how to communicate their feelings depression would be down among black men. I feel like prison rates would go down. I feel like fathers would be more involved in their child because they're not dealing with their demons. I feel like just speaking about your true feelings to somebody and somebody actually listening to it, not judging you, not anything, just listening to it as a black man. I know that would change the perspective of a lot of black men. Like, could you imagine you want to you want to murder somebody right now because you're that mad? But somebody's like, well, talk to me. Let, me. let me like talk to me. Let me see how you're feeling. And You tell them they're like, yeah, I understand that. But wouldn't this be a better option? Now you have somebody who is listening to you and like, giving you an, another option of what you could go. You could go this, the anger route and throw your whole life away. Or you can go this route and still have your life and your freedom. And I know for a fact, for me, I would, that would kill me inside. I would wake up some days because I didn't know how to express my emotions. I The only emotion I knew Again, was how to express anger. I didn't know how to express the joy I had inside, or the you know the funny the funny side of me. So I always felt like I had to, uh, as they say in the street, they say as saying stay stay dangerous. I always felt like I had to stay dangerous. Like I always had to stay ready, like something was going going to happen. And I know it was some days I would wake up and just pray I was like, Lord, please don't let nobody talk to me while today, cause I'm gonna kill them. And instead of me being a happy life and woke up that day, I didn't know how to express that I was happy that I woke up. I just knew nobody should try me today. And that would eat me up inside because that negativity would make everything else negative. And it would just make a, a big-ass cloud, dark cloud above me and spiral into depression. So when depression hits and you, and you don't know how to express your feelings... Yeah, it gets real bad. And I feel like I feel like a lot of men are in prison right now because they were depressed and they didn't know how to properly express their emotion. Like it's too many programs for kids to go to where black 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 kids can express their emotions. All they all they taught is, you know, football. That's the thing they want everybody every black man to play football, there's so many other things that they can do that we don't, we don't think about. If drawing is the way of expressing itself, let them draw. If gymnastics is the way to express themselves, let them do gymnastics. It doesn't always have to be a violence to it. Like, okay, he's not going to go out here and fight anybody, but football is just as violent. It's basically the same damn thing. So if we find a softer way to learn to teach them how to express them, themselves then we'll get we'll get better results that that are non-violent. Excuse me. And for me I didn't have any outlet like that. Like I wanted to play sports. Honestly, I wanted to play golf like I wanted to play golf but cuz my dad played golf but you know where I could play golf in the hood? No fucking where. You know where I could play tennis in the hood? No fucking where. Those are the sports I love before for anything. I I just like playing basketball because it was it was easy to me. But like I wanted to play tennis, I wanted to play golf, I wanted to play baseball. Like these aren't just it's no fucking baseball peewee leagues in the hood. It's 20 million fucking football leagues. You know, fucking baseball leagues. Like, you know how hype I would have been as a man, as a male. Like, I got all this athletic, this athletic gift. I would have fucking played, loved playing fucking volleyball. Like, oh, I love volleyball. Like, male <laughs> volleyball. Like, I talked to this about like we had a male team. Yeah, I see. I see, and that's a thing. A thing about up north too, first down south. Down south is so into football that. It's not they don't wanna see, you know, see us anything else. it's God family football, that's it. And I feel like we need to find other outlets for black black males to express their emotions. Like, I why are these but kids I mean,
0: like I just feel like there's always those gender norms where it's like, Well, if you're a boy you can't play with Barbies. Who gives a shit? It's a Barbie. Like if you wanted to play with it. You, you should be able to. It doesn't it doesn't it should it shouldn't mean that you're more feminine because you're playing with this or if you wanted to do ballet as a boy, it should be perfectly normal to do that. Mm-hmm. It's a it's dancing. Like yep. it's just another form of art. It's just you expressing yourself. That's also a means of self expression.
1: Yep. Like, my my mom let me play with anything. I remember playing with Barbies, Ken Dolls, Whatever. My mom was like, it got his attention. He's good. Like, I didn't, I wasn't into video games. And I'm not, I'm not still not into technology. It's just dumb as shit to me. Like, but my mom very much was like action figures. I had a whole bunch of action figures, stuffed animals, whatever my mom, whatever I like, my mom was supportive of. But I was going to say that you see all these kids with all this super tech, this the hood has so much talent. And why the fuck do we all need to put it into fucking football? You on this football. Because it just <laughs> it just makes me mad because if you take an upset kid and you put him in a in, in a football league or in a football game, he's just gonna reek wreak and all he's gonna think about is the violence equals a good a good football player. You know you, you know what I'm saying? Some of the best athletes are in the hood. Like, you seen kids jump out fucking mattresses and shit? They're doing shit that people are doing in the Olympics. Why the fuck wouldn't you put him in gymnastics? You put him in gymnastics because you put him in gym.
0: Why do you think? Like, because most times people of color, black families, they don't have the means to do it.
1: They don't have means, but also they don't even try to.
0: Because they don't have the means to. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to still, you got to think, if you're, you were growing up in a single-parent household, who's going to take you? Who's going to bring you? Who's paying for that? Like, I wanted to do ballet as a child. My sister was able to do it. I wasn't able to do it at the time, and I wanted to. That's something that I really wanted to do. And I had wished that I was able to do it, but I knew economically we couldn't afford it. Like and who who was gonna bring me to that when my mom was working, multiple jobs, mm-hmm. and I'm being taken care of by my by my grandpa like my grandmother, so who was gonna do that?
1: <laughs> I'm just saying they find. I'm just saying they find. A, I feel like they find a way. So
0: when it's easier, but you gotta think, the type of, the type of opportunities that are given to people of color. Yeah. Again, there's disparities always. That's always gonna be there. That's always something that has been there there's always disadvantages of growing up in a low economic area when you go to these public schools of course education isn't great Mm -hmm. of course programs to keep your kids out of trouble are minimal Yep. And, they, and what start, are the options? And they start
1: tearing down all the programs too. Like.
0: Exactly. And what are the options? Mm-hmm. What can you do? Whatever sports that are allowed in your neighborhood, in that in your school, mm-hmm. and those and are I, typically well, when, basketball, football.
1: That's um, it. Soccer, maybe.
0: I mean, uh, for for us in Connecticut, I had pretty. I I think it was pretty good. We had track. We had it was either indoor, outdoor. Cross country, you had the op- the option to do. Um, there was a baseball. I think there was a softball team. I don't know if there was a an actual baseball, but there was a softball team. There was volleyball. I did volleyball for the men. There was also male volleyball. There's of course football, basketball. So like we had pretty good options. And then if your school didn't offer something, you could also sign up for another school's and we just team. You bust over there, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, see we didn't, we didn't we didn't have that option cuz those options weren't even given to us. So that's what I
0: But what if you had the options but you didn't know you had it because your counselors didn't tell you?
1: No, we didn't have it. It was it's just like I said Texas is very a football, basketball state. Mm. So of course if you like in our district cuz we it's in our district really our district, I saw that district, they probably had it. And our district, no. Mm-hmm.
0: But why do you think? Because yeah. of those disadvantages and disparities that, of course, are always going to be there.
1: Yeah, so, that have been there. Yeah, so, I get, what you, I get what you're saying. But also...
0: It's bigger than just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so many different things.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I definitely think that that's another thing that I know for a fact, because of my, my job now, I know for a fact it's things that one neighborhood gets because I work in a really well neighbor in a really well off neighborhood. Everybody's lawyers, doctors, own their own businesses, you know, millionaires and all that. I I see, like this this for example, their mail. They got everybody who was running for office, any the office. They got a piece of mail from from them, because they know those are the people who are gonna donate. Those those are people who are gonna. You know, get out, actually get out and vote, and know about about them. How many pieces of a political mill have we got? One, two, maybe, maybe, exactly. So it's it's the thing that, like you said, if ballet gymnastic was offered in the hood, how would you know? How would you like? How would you know that it's available when nobody can is able to tell you? You don't have. Any flyers going to that neighborhood to let them know? hey, it's a new recreation center over here. It might be on a next zip code, but you're still welcome to come. How do you get that information? You don't. And I remember we had uh, another thing too. Swim like they took, like put black people in the fucking pool as a baby. Having, <laughs> like instead of having these kids grow be grown people and getting to five feet. Talking about I can't fucking swim.
0: Listen,
1: my mom don't know how to swim. My aunt don't know how to swim. But like... like, man, say, like, I just think it it's just too much, too many sports for me out here that we have to relate to, we have to just, uh, not relate, we have to uh, rely on, like, you know, football and basketball. And to think that as a, as a black man growing up, we thought that's the only way we can make it out the hood. Yes. That's the only way you can make it out.
0: Sports scholarships. No one's ever taught. Okay, but there's also academic scholarships mm-hmm. that you can get. There's also other scholarships that you can apply to. I I kind of blame, like I kind of do blame the counselors because, again, like I I was valedictorian, whatever, top of the class, X, Y, and Z, and at the time, the person that I was with, like that I was dating was very low in the scale like when it came to GPA and all of that and the way that they were treated by the counselor with okay. with their options and what they thought that they should do in X, Y, and Z was completely different.
1: Because they think they don't have any... They're like, yeah. well, their point this to help them. They're not going they to exactly do shit with their life. Instead
0: of being an actual counselor yeah. and encouraging certain behaviors, <laughs> that's the thing. And I will say, you know, I... I don't want to say anything bad about this particular person. But at the same time, the issue I think that is evident is the fact that that was a white male counselor Mm. working with, working in a neighborhood that
1: predominantly, okay,
0: working in a neighborhood of predominantly black people of color, X, Y, and Z. (laughs) like That's not what the hell we need. That's not what we need. We do not need these Caucasian men or women being brought into a counselor psychologist position and in that's, a predominantly
1: that's a black, whole other, black
0: neighborhood. That's a whole Black topic. communities. It's not. It's the same thing. Because no, I'm saying. This is the reason I'm saying a whole why, other
1: two hours. <laughs> but this is a
0: whole reason why. There's all these issues because if there were people like us who, who grew can relate up and relate to exactly, us. who grew up and understand the struggle, like, who grew up and why, know like what's would, going on, why would you put why, a white counselor in a black neighborhood?
1: Like why would I? Why, why would I want to explain my issues to a white man <laughs> can who can't relate? relate?
0: How can you relate to some? They can't even understand the fact that maybe you're doing poorly isn't because you're slow. Or because you're not smart enough to get whatever, maybe it's because you're distracted. Maybe it's, cause maybe
1: you got, it's because you, you got you you other things going you work, on. At you're home. working because you got to help okay. the, the family. Like, so
0: it's just like.
1: <laughs> I t- I, that's another another thing that I'm going to say black men need. We need fucking therapists and counselors that look like us in our neighborhood from our areas. And women. And women. No, yeah, of course. I'm not. Um, Leave him out, but it's very important. Like, why the fuck would I tell Mr. Tim what the fuck is going on when I can tell Mr. Mr. Darian right here, who knows me, knows my mother, knows, grew up in this neighborhood, knows exactly what I'm going through, and he's he overcame it. So, why would I tell? Mr. Tim, who knows nothing about my neighborhood, who's gonna go home to his neighborhood, lock his doors and when he rides by. People look like me, versus somebody who grew up just like me. Why aren't you putting those people in a neighborhood? Like, why? I I get teachers. I get teachers. Uh, vol like a lot of teachers volunteer to go to like low economic neighborhood because they get student loan repayment. So that's a whole other thing, but they're not doing it genuinely. A lot of them not, but why would you put these people around that are going to judge me instead of help me? Right.
0: I mean, yeah, I get that, but I feel like teachers in general tend to really enjoy what they're doing, Mm -hmm. like tend to really like teaching. Oh, yeah, most Um, of them,
1: but you do get those. Oh, of
0: course, of course. But I would say in my experience with teachers, that was way less. But when it comes to... People who are in like an actual position to counsel to help, um, you know, as either a guidance counselor or again a psychologist or school psychologist, etc. Like it makes more sense to get someone that's the majority of the schools to feel comfortable talking mm-hmm. to.
1: Yeah, I know. For me, I had all black counselors, all black counselors. We had a Hispanic um, principal, a black. Since the principal, nobody in our school that worked there was white. So,
0: our school had white teachers, there was a white counselor, but we also had these programs. And I know it was really the programs that were we put have. in place that mm-hmm. really, really helped a lot of students. So, for me, I joined Build On, and everyone who was part of Build On was a person of color. And then also being in gear up, every person in a leadership position where gear up was a person of color. Like it's it was it was those things that that kind of um, put us in a position to better ourselves because we were being so like gear up was more of a of an opportunity to join a program that was going to help see you into High school and help you get into college, right? Mm-hmm. So it's getting you prepared for those things. Took you on college sh- trips. Took you. Um, it. I went to Washington D.C. with.
1: How old were you when you did that?
0: I was in middle school when.
1: And that's when it, it needs to start at yeah. elementary or middle school, not yes. when I'm in fucking twelfth grade taking me on right. fucking college trips.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean. It was the perfect program for me because it really made me feel like I could do exactly what I needed. I had the guidance, I had, you know, people constantly um incurred, that encouragement every day, like something's going on, you have people you can actually talk to, let them know like this is this is what's happening today, I'm having a bad day. Like you had that there with those programs. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, joining Build On was like the best thing for me it was like the the best thing that kept me busy I volunteered all the time my first year joining I did like 300 hours of community service I was able to go you know to Africa like just that whole experience really really got me through everything Mm -hmm. and so it's those things. Like, it's those programs that are so necessary. And it's the fact that you have people that you can relate to. You have people that you can feel comfortable speaking to. Man,
1: do you know that some of these programs we had, it would be weird to me that people didn't know about. And they'd be mm-hmm. like, well, you, stay, you stay out of school? I'm like, yeah, i got going to such and such program. Mm-hmm. We got that? Nah, uh-huh. What's that? And you'd be like, you didn't hear about it? No. Like, when did they they do this I was like they talked about it in the class like Mm -hmm. what class were you in because they talk about it in my class (laughs) and like I remember sixth grade being in a a program called SMART which is like students making abstinence abstinence real today and I remember like that was uh, my favorite that was my first program and it was my most impactful one because she gave us a baby a crying baby (laughs) and
0: I'm glad I never had to oh my god my
1: mom was like I take care of it for you uh, for you if you pay me and I was like pay you she was like she was like oh you th- this is a real baby you gotta pay for daycare and I was like man so I was like I'll just do it myself so I had to I had to get up in the middle of the night when it's crying figure out if it needed to change food burped needed to be needed to be held um I remember walking outside it was cold as hell and almost got uh I almost got what you call it in trouble because the the pe the the person who gave us the baby who's was over-programmed, I'd have clothes on the, I'd have clothes on the baby, and she was like, "What the hell you doing?" And I was like, "I was like, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm going to class." She's like, and, you, and she's like, "You ain't got no, you ain't got clothes on the baby. The baby just naked." And I'm like, "Oh," she's like, "Will you leave a real baby naked?" So I feel like that program was very helpful because it showed me that I do not need kids because they wake up in the middle of the night crying. And... Yeah, so, like, that was my favorite... My favorite program. Um, Another thing I wanted to talk about was the abuse that uh, people cover go through when they're a child and how... No, boy or girl, they go through it and they hide it and they just, they don't let it out till they get older. And it's people you would never think about, you know, like you see your friend and they're so joyful and they're so, you know, you know delightful and all that. And then talk, talk to them and they get really, you know, connected to you and they share the information with you about how maybe they were abused when they were when they were younger or they had to go through things. And it's crazy that. It's crazy that when it happens, that they don't, like, some parents don't believe the child.
0: I think that happens often, but at the same time, like, a lot of the times when you are a child, you don't really know what's happening. You know know it's
1: not right, but you don't know really what it is. You know it feels wrong. It doesn't
0: feel like this should be happening. But when it happens, you know, you're thinking like, again, like most of the times when abuse happens as a child, it's by someone that you know. So you're thinking, okay, well, this person wouldn't hurt me or this person wouldn't do something bad to me. And so you don't really understand what's happening until maybe you're a little bit older and they're talking about rape and they're talking about this and they're talking about that. And then it connects to that point where you're like, wow, like that happened to me as a child.
1: Yeah. So I know for me, I had to grow up seeing violence in my household. So my stepdad, you know, uh, being abusive to me and my mom and I didn't you know i didn't I knew it was wrong, and as a child, I wanted to do more about it, and it ate me up in alive like ate me up alive to oh my so bad that I didn't do anything about it, even though I was a five or six year old i was a five and six year old child, I felt like at that point I still should have been protecting my mom and it drove me inside that I didn't do anything. Like the next day I just remember being upset and frustrated that I didn't take things to the next measure and like and kill the kill the person because I'm like, how would I ever how could I allow that to happen to my mom? And I'm not thinking that this is this is no this is a normal for a five, six year old to see. I'm thinking that again I've seen so many about six I've seen so, so much murder and that being the only resolution in those situations, I'm like, well, this needs to be the resolution in my situation. So I feel like I had to deal with that and hold that in for so long until I was able to like let it go. And that's where the frustration I was speaking about earlier come from, that I wake up some mornings and hope some hope somebody nobody talks to me wrong. It wasn't the fact that I was upset about anything particular in life at that point. It was the fact that I was upset about that situation and was still holding that whole situation deep in my heart. And I I just hated that person so much that I looked at everybody as him or yeah, as like him. So if you didn't do anything, piss me off. If I pitch you as him, it's going to piss me off so bad that I want to kill you. And... Not just so not just seeing the abuse, but when you go through the abuse, I feel like especially as a black man, a black man, because when it happens to a child or a child um uh, a, uh, a, a girl, everybody knows it's wrong. She knows it's wrong. She might not she not, not let me take that back. She might not, not know it's wrong, but like the the dad knows it's wrong. God forbid. I hope he does. The hope the mom knows is wrong. Hope everybody knows is wrong. But if a man does it, like say he can be anywhere. Let's say a fourteen year old has sex with, you know, a twenty some year old. It's thought, oh, you did that. Twenty years old. 20, 20 years old. You did that. It's thought as like accomplishment when it's fucking rape. And it might be against your will, you might not even know like what's really happening at that age. Like it can if it can be like six years old and at six, like it's this uh, T V person personality called uh Charlemagne Guy, he was telling a story about how like at six he was getting raped and he just he like he said the worst part wasn't being raped, it was about how the woman smelled or something like that. So I was like, You getting raped and you're not thinking about I'm getting raped thinking about, oh my god, she smells awful. Like, that's just to me, that's just that's just crazy. So we go through we go through that as black males and at a young age it's taught that, you know, sex is sex is something you should like, you know, reward. It be, it's a reward, it's something you should be happy that you had you had sex, you should be glorified. So when it happens at a young age, you're like you're not thinking about that as rapious thing about oh, I had sex. Or you just don't want to say anything because you're not sure what it is. So I've never sp- spoke about this, uh I never spoke about this I'm say publicly, so it's my first time. So I remember being raped several several times. And I remember the first time I didn't know what was happening. And I remember I didn't feel anything. I, my body was so numb to it that I didn't know what I didn't know what was happening. I just felt like my soul was not there. I was not there. My body was just laying there. And I remember the day vividly, but I remember also after the day blocking it out of my mind. And I blocked it out for so long that I forgot about it. And I forgot and not actually forget about it, but I forgot Forgot it ever happened. So it never It never hurted me. And then when it happened again. Um, when it happened again. Again. I'm not there. My soul is not there. My body is just there. And I remember. Telling. Somebody about it. And. The person who raped me. Literally tried to. Tried to assault me. Tried to assault me. And. Like, make it seem like I was the bad person. And that made me want to stop telling anybody. You know, I was like, I can't tell anybody then. Because if me telling the truth is going to basically get me almost killed, then I can't say anything. I need to keep this myself. So I never got over processing that because I never processed it. I never allowed it to actually happen in my head. I was like, okay, it happened. Erased it from my mind. So it never happened again. And I think that we all do that. And it's crazy to me that when you talk, I I talk to black male now, black male now, and they went through the same situation. And it's just crazy to me how many black males are raped at a young age. And, Just thought we just thought it's not like it's why did why are so many black males raped at a young age, and why do we hold it in like, is it are we like why I can't I can't even tell you why I didn't tell my mom like it's no reason I didn't tell her I just knew I shouldn't tell her, and I don't know if it was me now I'm looking back I still haven't told my mom so if she hears this. I hope it's not the first time. I hope she doesn't pay attention to this. I hope my dad don't listen to this. But I was afraid when I got older to tell them because I didn't want them to feel like they were bad parents and it was their fault. Because I feel like it was, it was going to happen regardless. And I just never wanted them to feel like anything that happened to me on those occasions were because of them. And, again... Isn't
0: that crazy how we feel like we have to protect our parents from mm -hmm. taking blame? Even though this is something that we should tell them. Like, there were so many times that things happened to me that I just, again, will block out. But that's the type of person that I am anyway. I'm very... I feel like because so many things happened at a young age for me that... I'm very disconnected. Mm -hmm. And, like, even now, like, into my adulthood, it's very hard for me to really be connected um, with people for many different reasons, but...
1: That's where... I think that's where I mainly lost connection with my, my... my soul, like, for... So, that happened when I was six or seven. I think maybe until I was, like, 24. I was... A person living with no soul. I from those that time period, I cried once. That was when I found out my granny had breast cancer, and even then, it wasn't a a a legit ball I cried like I felt like I I had in me, but I couldn't I couldn't release it because I didn't know how to get all this emotion together. To but
0: that's not you having no soul. It's just you not having any. Emotional intelligence. Like, you just don't know how to express yourself.
1: No, when I say I had no... I feel like... No, I feel like I had no soul. Like, I feel like I was just here. Like, I feel like I had no soul at all. I feel like I was just a person with a heart and a body.
0: Okay, but you do see that you were blocking yourself off from feeling things. Like, you didn't want to make connections with people. You already said this. You didn't want to make connections with people because... You already felt like, well, they're not gonna be here long. People are gonna leave me X, Y, and Z. So, like, that was just you closing yourself off to the point where you felt that way. But to say that you had no soul, like, I don't, I don't really believe that. But
1: no, nah. when I say I had no soul, I felt like, when I said I had no soul, I had no like. Person with soul has some type of emotion.
0: You did anger,
1: huh? Anger, but. It would be only anger.
0: Anger is the the lowest vibrating emotion. It's just the first thing we express. It's but like- I didn't
1: have I didn't have anger until I was I was maybe like fourteen or fifteen. Between that time, I was just soulless walking around. And I say fourteen or fifteen. That's because that's when I realized like I'm a man now, and that's when I started looking back on the situation of watching my mom be in a, a abusive relationship. I was like. You really let that happen. And that's at 14, I remember, that's when the anger started to happen. Because, again, our, so anger is happening and hormones kicking in at the same time.
0: But exactly. So don't, don't you think that it was really you becoming hormonal that caused you to really start feeling things that you couldn't control? I think just everything before that you were just trying to control your emotions, just trying to control your... from... trying to control anything outside of you from affecting you.
1: Yeah, that's what I... Yeah.
0: But... I mean, for me, it's not so... it wasn't to that extent. It was just me not being able to connect to people. So, like, I think just because a lot of shit happened to me at a young age... It definitely made me aware. I'm very alert. I am... I'm, like, always prepared for the worst situation. That's what I was saying.
1: Stay dangerous. That's what it mean.
0: I literally will visualize things happening so that I can prepare myself for those situations. Because, again, like, me growing up and realizing, okay, these things really happened. But at the same time, it's so hard to differentiate okay did did this happen or was this a dream that i you know personified to the point where i think this really happened and i think for me that was hard for me to distinguish so it's like is this really a memory or is this a memory of a dream that happened a long time ago that's just stuck with me that i've kind of made myself believe this was happening but i also don't know if that was a way of For me, trying to cope as well, trying to make it seem like, no, like this really didn't happen. It it was probably just, you know, something that you're remembering falsely because that happens. Like there's Mm -hmm. false memories, there's X, Y, and Z, especially if you're someone like me who represses things.
1: Yeah. I think that's what happened with me it was false memories. I I made it seem false false memories because I kept pushing it out of my head. Like it didn't happen, it didn't happen, it didn't happen. And you know, if you tell yourself so many times, it just becomes true, so I kind of see. I kind of think what you, you were saying too is that uh, that when we're so young, we're not able to process exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. So it might happen, and you're, you're like, "Okay, that was weird," but yeah,
0: you don't have the tools at that <laughs> point to really understand what this even meant. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. you're a kid, you're only exposed to the things you're exposed to, and most of the time, it's not sex. Most of the time, it's not those things happening, and so. When they do happen, you're like, yeah. "What happened?" Mm-hmm. You know, but because you're a kid and you're resilient, you just yeah. go on about your day, like, <laughs> you know what? What can you do?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I'm, um. Another thing I want to talk about on on the women's side is, what the fuck is wrong with men who prey on like little girls? Like going high. I remember going to high school. Mm-hmm middle school 13 14 year olds I got a 20 year old boyfriend yes
0: listen I got a
1: 21 year old boyfriend and but that's they what will pick mean. them up they will pick them up from school and I'm like why does anybody in both parties think this is okay like at 14 I feel like you should know fucking better and you have the mental capability to say okay but this if is you're a 14
0: wrong. year old who has been abused Who's yeah. been sexually abused since yeah, you were yeah, like did. 10 or 8 or whatever. You just
1: look for somebody who like...
0: No, you just think that this is normal. And then you got to think about the chill- like the the young girls who are being prostituted by... Fam- like, these things happen. Yeah, yeah. These things are very real. <laughs> like, these things happen. These things are very, very real. And... I think because it was so normal to them growing up in that type of environment, then there's no, there's not that, it's just not seen as an issue in their mind because this was how they grew up Mm -hmm. or they've grown up seeing certain things or whatever it may be. But for me... I, I personally never, <laughs> I hated, I think what, because things happened to me as a child, I hated older men. I hated men looking at me. I, I know I went through a period of time when I covered my body. I, I wore baggy ass clothes I, and I think that's kind of why I am how I am now when it comes to showing myself because I went for so long. (laughs) I went for so long covering up, not wanting to be sexualized, not wanting to be looked at when I was walking down the street, not wanting to be looked at, because that's the thing. As a young girl, you're in school, you could be outside for recess and there are grown men who are just waiting, who are just there. Who are there watching and waiting for the perfect? Like they, they, are praying. That's exactly what they're doing. They're, they're scoping it out, seeing who looks like they have that. Because we're animals, so no matter what, they have that, um, that sense. Like they know the type of person to go after, mm-hmm. and so they're looking. They're, they're looking for the most vulnerable person that they know that they can bring in Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that's what they do and there were so many times (laughs) so many times when I was looked at there were so many times when men tried to speak with me so just me (laughs) seven eight years old seven eight years old and this happening from then into high school from all the way from me being six, probably yeah, seven, eight years old, all the way into high school. So imagine being a young girl who is constantly being looked at by older men, constantly, you know, being told whatever it is that they they want to hear, and like, mm-hmm. what do you think? What do you think's gonna happen? So I didn't like that. I never wanted to be looked at. Again, like, I would just wear baggy clothes all the time. Like, I...
1: Oh, Oh, go ahead.
0: I, like, really, really disliked my body. I I got my period at eight years old. I... My body changed that young. (laughs) I grew, you know, boobs by the time I was, like, nine. I'm, like, in third fucking grade at this point. And here I am dealing with older men constantly trying to speak to me. Like, for what? Never took that as a compliment. Never took that as making me feel. No, it made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it made me uncomfortable to the point where I had, I felt like I couldn't show me. Wouldn't do my hair. Like, I went through a whole thing that I never did my hair. I would never get dressed. Like, I would wear the same sweater every day to school because it was big as hell. And it covered my entire body.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it's crazy, too, that this happens, too, because, say, this can happen for, uh... A girl or a boy, that their parent their their family is so like, you know, pushing them off and they feel they don't feel as love. So when somebody comes mm-hmm. and they say they can, you know, give you all this love that you're missing and you're you feel so neglected and you finally got somebody who who said, you know, like makes you feel accepted, you're just gonna like go right fall right into the trap. Mm-hmm. And you don't know any better because if you get treated like shit. And then
0: Or even if like you're you have an absent parent, like your dad's mm-hmm. not there, you're looking at these men as a father figure. You know, people you know how mm-hmm. they say, like women with daddy issues, X, Y, and Z, that kind of you know, it looks enticing to to have an older man be interested in you if you haven't had that, if you've lacked it and you've wanted it.
1: It's like filling that void. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even to this day, for me, I feel like when when that happens to women, every it's just like ill. Like, why 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 the fuck would you do that? Like, you know, like you know what I mean. You know what I mean. It's just disgusting. But when it happens to a black male, it's like I don't know why. It's, like I don't know why it's glorified so much as it should be. We should be praised for like having older women look at us and like you know what I mean. And even to this day, I don't know why people think it's okay if an older woman it, not even older a woman in general that just like walks up and like say some sexual shit to me I'm just like ew it just it, it just like you okay said, but, but how do you think women feel that's what I'm saying how, like, how, how you like how it just it, is, like, it, it just made you feel uncomfortable it makes me feel uncomfortable like, so I'm like oh that, ew yeah but like
0: and it's, I know it's like 20
1: times that like
0: that we we've dealt with again listen since being a child dealing with men praying like trying and then going into adulthood and still having men kidnapping raping bothering you when you're in a public space like we talked about that last episode the facts are the facts that no matter how old you are (laughs) No matter how old you are, no matter what demographic you come from, there's always going to be these type of situations, these type of men who yeah just have no control.
1: Mm-hmm. And let me say this: uh, pedi- pedophil- pedophilia is not a sex.
0: It's not a sexuality. Like, like cut the I shit. I don't know why. It's they- not a sexual orientation. Like you are no. No, we're not doing
1: that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why people, uh, pedophiles are like.
0: It's normal. It's, it's normal to to feel.
1: They talking about they can't help who they fall in love with. You Motherfuck, fucking can. Like.
0: Motherfucker, this is not the olden age where you were able to marry little eleven, thirteen year old children, as a fucking adult. Like we're not doing that. It's illegal.
1: It is disgusting. illegal
0: to have sex with a minor, under the age of 16. And it's under the age of 18 in some states, but for the most part... 16? (laughs) Like, 16 is the age of consent.
1: No, 17 is the age of consent.
0: In certain places. Yes. But, yeah, so... Cut the shit. Wanting... Sexual desires toward toddlers, towards children, Mm -hmm. between ages... Like... I just can't I can't like I don't even want to talk yeah, about it. I mean I, it's not normal. You need help. Go to therapy and if it doesn't work, lock your ass up, chop the dick off, chop the balls too.
1: Like <laughs> castrate. Just castrate. Yeah, another thing I was going to say is um that one thing that really helped me heal from my trauma was realizing that um, those people who abused me and abused my mom, the guy who abused my mom, uh, people raped me. What's that? The karma they got was 10 times. No, I can't say. I was going to say 10 times worse. I don't think it's anything else worse than getting raped. But it was like their karma, like the guy who abused my mom, he got like 80 years in prison. Person who. Rape me, they got like they got sent they got sentenced like fifty years in prison. And then I like, got another thirty on top of that. So for me it was it was almost like that's that it kinda that kinda ended my anger too when I realized that he was never gonna get out. So I'm like he he was never he was ne he was never gonna get out. So I was like, What am I mad for? Like you're never gonna run into this person again. You're never gonna you know, have a chance to talk to this person and release your anger towards them. So what is there to be walking around mad for if you can't change it? And so seeing the karma that they got, um, it kind of made me feel a little bit better. But at the same time, I feel like if you're out here raping people, you just got to fucking die. Like, I feel like women need to women need like I don't even think it should be a whole class or a procedure for women to get guns like I feel like women need to get guns if they're too young for guns I feel like you need to teach your daughter how to protect themselves and I don't it's fucked up that you even have to teach your you know 6 7 year old daughter that she has to protect herself if she if you're not around like what world do we have to live in where kids can't be can't even be fucking kids anymore? Kids have to be teenagers, teenagers have to be adults, adults have to
0: That's another thing I will say in the black community, any any person of color, you have no choice but to grow up
1: fast. Fast. You know what they say you you grow uh they say grow ups I forgot how I say, you grow up slow, you die young or something shit like that but yeah you grow you gotta grow up fast if you don't grow up fast, you die young like you gotta you gotta learn how at a young age how to you,
0: take care of how yourself, yourself how to survive how
1: to man say like, six years old, my mom was going to work leaving me at home mm-hmm. like
0: don't open the door for
1: nobody <laughs> don't open the door for nobody like yep yep mm-hmm. i remember i i remember that and it's it's crazy that you said that because. It's normal to us. Yeah, it, it was like, just
0: whatever. It was like, all right, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna open the door. Not
1: doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Like somebody knocked, and it's family.
0: Oh well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i yep.
1: like, I don't care.
0: I'm not open. The My mom door.
1: was like, open no, the door for nobody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, ain't, mainly live down the street from us. Like two houses but, down. Yeah. she will come. Like it's me open the door. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I couldn't see. I can't. I can't can even see out the peephole. So yeah. I was like, I'd be like i was like, you all not gonna mm-hmm.
0: get me. I know y'all scamming. <laughs> yeah, but it's
1: crazy. We do have to... Yeah, we have grow, no choice. We have no choice but to grow grow up before we've even grown. Like, before we even
0: e- know what the hell being see. Like means. Say,
1: say you're, you're six or seven, and your parents have two more kids younger than you. You're now basically the second mom. Ba-
0: babysitter. Babysitter.
1: You're the second mom. Oh. Yeah. You're going to learn, learn how to cook and mm-hmm. do all this because... When I when you get of age like fourteen, fifteen, we leave you here by yourself and you gonna, mm-hmm. gonna watch them. You
0: gonna watch them. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happens. Or not even siblings, but sometimes other family members. Yeah, other family members. Dropping yeah. them off and you gotta take care of them and that's just what it is. <laughs> yep. Crazy. But I mean there's so many factors. There's so many things that happen to the black community and people of color that again is it's sad. Yeah. It's sad that everything that ha- that does happen is very normalized. It's sad that we don't have the ability to go to people to to speak to them again because you're you're in a household where your parent shows Zero emotion when it comes to like trauma. You've never seen them cry. Like, how are you supposed to go?
1: I mean, the only anger I ever saw with my parents was, I mean, anger. The only emotion I saw with my parents exhibit was anger. Like, anger and ha- happiness, but like, not really communicate, communicating that happiness. They were happy. But like, why are you happy? You know? You know, like, why? What's the why of it? But I definitely saw anger, and I know it, it. Like it was just at the time because I remember one time I was in a store and some Spanish a Spanish lady called me a bitch and in Spanish, and I told my mom when we left. I left. We left the store, and I said, "Mom, I think somebody called me a bitch in Spanish." And she's like, "What she say?" She told me my mom literally hit a U turn at a red light, hit a U turn drove back to the store, walking me through each aisle, and it's like, point the lady out. Point the lady out. It was mad as hell. Mm-hmm. So I've only seen, like, anger out of him. And I don't know if it's because... Well, I know for... for um. My grandpa, he was a provider. He wasn't like a very emotional person. And I think that's where I got it from. And I, I had to learn not to be...
0: I think it's because... We know we have to be strong mm-hmm. and that strongness always has to be like a shield of toughness. So yeah. you, you have to portray that you're you're kind of violent, you know, you can't be tried. So you have to have that that type of anger to lash out so people don't fuck with you.
1: Yeah. But I definitely think that you just kinda take upon like what you see. Like my grandfather was definitely not a person who said, I love you. It was more of like, okay, you want me to show you I love you? Let me show you let me show you by actions rather than saying it. So I know for me, like for a while I would like show people I love them by my actions. Like, okay, I love you, so if anything happened to you, I'm your protector. I'm like you don't like if anything happens, I'm I'm your protector. Friends, family people I'm in a relationship with, I was always that, like, the protector. And I felt like that was the only way I could show my love instead of a simple I love you and, like, really meaning it. Because I never saw that. I always saw that I show y'all love you by providing for you.
0: That's not what it is. And that's what I mean. Like, I, I know we didn't really talk about, like, relationships. We didn't really go into depth about... um kind of the dynamic of relationships based off of the trauma that we all experience but we do know that all of that baggage does get carried into whoever you know whatever situations that you're in with other people whether they're friendships whether they're you know actual significant others your sexual partners x y and z like, a lot of the trauma that we have as a child is expanded into adulthood. If we don't process it, if we don't, like, come to an understanding, if we don't seek help, you know, if you're not able to to go through those things emotionally, then you're always going to be carrying that. And it's not easy, but we all have to kind of do the work to get over our our childhood, to get over that trauma and... To
1: move forward in life because it, it does hold you back. Yeah, let me tell you y'all. Alana made me get over. It, made made me get over it because I didn't think you'd do anything. she she made me get over it. because it was telling our relationship apart so much that I had to fix it. But I didn't know how to really say everything I felt inside without sugarcoating it, and I felt like I had to like sugarcoat it. And she was like, tell like. Tell me exactly, exactly what you're feeling, I, you know, what you're feeling yesterday. Like, I need you to talk talk to me about what you're feeling in a moment. So I remember, like, all this trauma I'm talking about I had, I never talked with anybody else but, but her. She's the one that brought it all out of me and put it in a different perspective, like brought the anger out of me and showed me that, why are you angry when it makes no fucking sense to be angry and it's pointless. So I will say the way you get over it you never forget it you never forget it like you
0: you're never you never really it. over it and you're never really the, going to forget it but you have to release deal with it. you have to release whatever emotional yeah. ties you still have to it yes. because those that's what holds you back yeah. the fact that you're still attached to some trauma that happened to you as a child into your adult life that means that all the emotions that you never process is still in the back of your mind. It's still there and it's still very present in your current situation. So if you've never really processed how you felt, you know, when someone passed away in your family, because you felt like you had to be the strong person out of everyone then you're still holding on to that and you're still trying to show that you're strong by not showing any emotions but that's not strength (laughs) like just because you're able to push feelings away that's not showing that you're strong that's Mm -hmm. A sense that is a sign of weakness because you're unable to go through your emotion. Like, it is perfectly normal to have feelings. (laughs) It is okay to feel sad. It's okay to be happy. And it's okay to be pissed. Like, it's perfectly fine to feel all types of emotions at different times of the day, different times of the week, whatever. But the facts are the facts. If you're still holding on to unreleased emotions, then you really don't know what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You don't know how you're feeling today because you're still feeling some type of way from something that happened three months ago or something that happened 10 years ago. So it's just important that you, you do the work. It's not easy. You know, and sometimes you don't have someone that you're comfortable speaking to about those things, but keep a journal. Yeah. Like write. Like oh. there's other outlets. you know, I know a lot of people like to write. I know a lot of people try to process their emotions by going to the gym. I mean, that's what I did a lot of the time when I really didn't have people in my life to, to really talk to about stuff that was happening. I would just mm. work out my feelings, you know, I'd be pissed. <laughs> I would be so mad. But I would be thinking about why I'm angry while I'm at, I'm at the gym. I'll be thinking about why I'm upset or why I'm feeling some type of way about this and I'll work and burn it off. Like, that's the release of energy. It's the release of those feelings and then I would be fine.
1: I will say that the best way to deal with it, like you said, she said, you're never... Forget it. You'll never really get over it. But the best way to deal with it, I would say, definitely, is to talk to somebody.
0: Confront. You got to confront. You got to. You can't.
1: Like, you can't just keep putting it off. Putting it on, the, like, like I did. Like, just, you know, try to erase it out of my mind because. Repressing. Yeah, because it's really never going to erase out your mind. It's it might good. be in a small compartment in your brain. And you, but, every, but you're never going to really get it out of your mind. So, I say, you got to talk about it. And the person that you think. Probably isn't going to want to listen. Will probably listen and be, you know, very upfront with you about it. And sometimes make make sure you find a person who's going to listen and just do that. I you don't want if you are going through some trauma, you don't want anybody who's gonna be like, "Well, you should have did this and you did that." Like the whole thing. If a woman gets raped, well, why would you wear that? Why, why like you? Why would you drink that much? Like you don't want anybody like that you want somebody who's going to sit down, listen to you, understand it, but also give you positive feedback on, okay, I I've, I I've like I like I've been through that too. Let me show you, let me tell you what I had to do to get over it. I had to go to the gym and actually use that to my emotion, but I also had to talk to somebody like you're talking to me. Like you have to make sure you have somebody who you can talk to. And it can be a complete stranger. Like it's so many hotlines and ways you can just talk to people. Like if you have a fr- a friend on Twitter that you just think is super positive, friend on Facebook, Instagram that you think is just super positive, reach out to them. And like, hey, I'm really going through something right now. Can I share with you and just talk with you? Like, if they say no, they're assholes. But you just need to get it get it out and really talk with somebody. And when I say talk. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't skip steps. Like, get every emotion you need to out. Don't try to, like, oh, I'm going to hold this emotion. I'm going to hold this detail because I don't want them to know. No. Get every detail out. Oh, my goodness.
0: I just I was just thinking about how, you know, the stigma behind therapy and, like, going to talk to someone. You know how we're never encouraged mm-hmm. to do that because you're going to seem crazy or you're going to seem like this, you're going to seem like that. And I'm glad that it's becoming, yeah. you know, more, um, it's just seen yeah. as normal yeah. to, to kind of do that. I know there's still some issues behind all of that because we don't really have the representation that we need. But at the same time, we're working towards mm-hmm. it, which is great. And in-
1: uh, a lot of like people who go through this stuff just have just have PTSD, and you're gonna have it. But oh, I have every- bad anxiety. Yeah, she has super bad anxiety. Oh, so and I just I have I have super bad like trust problems, and not even like with our relationship. Like if I see somebody walking, I'm like, what the fuck is this nigga up to, or what the fuck is he up to? I'm like, That's me too. just like it, every everything. If something don't look right, it probably ain't right to me. I'm like, mm. Everything looks suspicious yeah, to me. Yeah, everything. I'm always
0: very, um, I'm so, like, suspicious, and <laughs> I'm just always questioning, well, why is this car, like, today I went to Target, and I was parking, but I was trying to find a parking spot, and someone took the spot that I was going to go to, so I had to drive back around. And as I was driving back around, I noticed that this car was circling, too. And I'm like, why are they circling? Like, they were, like, circling around the parking lot. They were, like, in the, the, the aisle before me while I was about to turn into that parking spot. And someone took it. So then I went around the other side. And as I was finally parking, they parked behind me. Even though there was, like, so many other mm-hmm. spots. So you mean you see what I mean? Like, I'm just super, like, suspicious and cautious. With I'm like, why the fuck is this car following me? like mm. and probably not even fun but that's how i feel all the time i'm always just like i'll pay attention i'll like look at the color i'll try to see who's in the who's in the passenger i'm like are there multiple people like all of it
1: yeah she does that all the time
0: yeah i'm crazy
1: so like it's funny because it like she'll be like she'll like she'll like following me look she'll she'll be like I think somebody followed me. I don't know. it's, it's been two lights and they still behind me. So look, I got their license place remember. I'm about to get their bin in a minute. Like like she's like she'd be on it. And I'd be like, I'm wearing this. Mm-hmm. And I
0: feel
1: like you gotta um, it's still crazy that you like you gotta I'm a
0: woman that I have to Yeah, yeah, but you I just feel like I have to yeah. feel
1: safe. It's like women have to women feel like that. People per people of color the women of color feel like that. And they gotta work, and they gotta worry about, you know, just being victims of, you know, of like hate just because of the color. Like, I will say, during this time, women are gonna get tried because of their skin color more than men. Because they think that women can't protect themselves. But let me tell you, you run up on some of these women, it will be your last time to run up on anybody. And they think that, oh, women don't carry as much as men, like, a uh, weapon. Let me tell you, some of these women will stab you, shoot you, and go about their day.
0: Like nothing happened.
1: Like nothing happened. But
0: I know we, we should start wrapping up because it's been, it's
1: been a yeah. minute. We've it's been going a, in. Yeah, so we're going to wrap it up real fast, but I want to finish this, this last Let's just say this last thing. Therapy is healing. Find somebody to talk to. I've shared my trauma with y'all. My first time publicly sharing with anybody. Other than Alana. My mother doesn't know. Father doesn't know. Nobody in my family knows. So when I I tell you. My first time telling her that. I felt like the weight of the world off my shoulders. I felt like. Everything changed. I can tell you for a fact, we had a talk maybe a month and a half ago, and I really got the last of it out. I've been so happy. I wake up in the morning, go to the gym every morning now. I don't have this dark energy around me that's draining me. I come home, I'm happy. I can go to sleep at 2 o'clock, wake up at 5. I'm still happy. So I will say, take care of yourself. Take care of your peace find somebody to talk to again find somebody to talk to and we have to start doing things in our community to create these changes they're not going to help us because we're in the, you know like another part of the neighborhood they're not going to help us with resources so we must create our own resources
0: we so have to be our own we have family. yeah
1: we have to be our own resources you have to be a therapy for for the you know, little black girl, little black boy, be that therapist. Like, it's not going to kill you. It's going to heal them and help them later on in life.
0: And probably also help you. Help, Yeah, help
1: you. Mm-hmm. Um, Get your kids, if you have kids and you listen to, get them involved in Everything.
0: And talk to them talk. like they're an adult. Like don't, don't oh my god, like don't like do that. Children. Don't do that,
1: baby. Like, you know they
0: understand be, 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 be. so much. They understand so many things that you probably don't even think they do. And like, just treat them like they're a little adult because they, they are. are. Like you're, you're they're molding fucking, they're, them into they are human beings adulthood. And like, just just talk to them regularly. If things are going on at home, like let them know. Because you really don't know what how that's affecting them How mm-hmm. like being secretive I know I didn't like it growing up I didn't like being left out of the loop of stuff I just always felt like Again, like super disconnected And it's just important to To communicate mm-hmm. You know, you have to show your child You have to teach them about communication You have to let them know that they can come to you and that all builds trust, that all builds that sort of bond where you're able to talk about so many things, yep. you know? And
1: you, just by you sharing with them at a young age, when they need somebody to talk to, they're going to come talk to you. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be like, I, you know, they're not going to, like, I don't know who to talk to or where to find help. They're going to talk to you. So, with that being said, I enjoyed the topic today. Again, if you guys want to hear any more topics, have any suggestions, um, any feedback or anything, let us know. We want to hear everything. We read all the comments. We love we love getting the feedback from everything. We want to make this a better experience for you. And we also want to get better at this. Again, it's only our fifth episode. we want to get better. But we just want to know what you guys want to hear, what you guys want to talk about. Um, uh, some topics will be, you know, our choice because it's near to our heart. Like last week, oh, we had to get that off.
0: Mm-mm.
1: So, want to thank y'all for coming to episode five. I'm DJ.
0: I'm Alana.
1: And we want to thank y'all.
0: So, thanks for, for being here. Um, and also, I know we we've said it before if you if you do need to talk to someone and you know anything that we said has resonated with you, feel free to reach out to us mm-hmm. because we're very open um, and i'm I'm a very, very open person, transparent, so I will tell you exactly you know
1: where where what, can they where can I reach you at
0: Well, they can reach me on my personal Twitter account um It's S underscore Alana, A-L-A-N-N-A 49. Um, And that's my personal account. I know we have, you know,
1: our... Hashtag adulting. So, if you don't... So, you can visit her at that. Or hashtag adulting. You can visit me at underscore DeMarco, D-M-A-R-C-K-O. And again, we're always open to talk. We love talking about stuff like this. We love helping people. So, if you have... Anything you talk about, get off your chest. Any problem solving? No questions. Question anything, concerns, questions, concerns. Just make sure. Just let us know. So, we'll also
0: be be posting on our blog, of course, and it'll be um, connected to our account. Please Um, hit um, the blog up. If you'd like to comment directly on the blog, feel free as well. But if you prefer just private messaging, Mm -hmm. that's perfectly fine.
1: Alright, I want to thank y'all and
0: hope y'all have a good day if you're listening to it in the morning. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, happy Halloween.
1: Even though it don't feel like Halloween. I'm
0: going to make it feel like Halloween. (laughs) But, alright y'all, take care.
1: Alright, bye.
0: Bye.